it's called activity-based anorexia, and it's a model for anorexia, and researchers actually restrict the rat's food intake while giving them unlimited access to a wheel, and the rats start running excessively, and they'll continue to run rather than eat during the short period of time the food is presented to them, and if allowed, they'll literally run themselves to death. So it's a really paradoxical behavior why um, in the state, in the face of less food, someone would exercise more. You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello. So today you are going to hear my conversation with one of my favorite eating disorder therapists, Dr. Laura Morheim. And today we're talking about one of my pet subjects as well, which is exercise during recovery from an eating disorder. So those of you that know anything about me or have read my book, you know that I had a huge problem with exercise when I had an eating disorder. I had compulsive exercise. Um, I ran every day for a very long time. Uh, It was miserable. And it wasn't just the running. I actually moved the whole time. I, I struggled to allow myself to sit down or my eating disorder struggled to allow me to sit down. And ultimately, I tried to reduce the exercise that I was doing in recovery. And that never seemed to work. I always seemed to promise myself that I'd run a little bit less the next day. And then the next day would come and I wouldn't run any less. The only way that I was able to come over my exercise compulsion was to do what I call cold turkey on exercise. And I had to stop completely. And giving myself that rule to stop was a lot easier than telling myself to just cut down. Um, And I was actually very successfully able to overcome my exercise addiction or compulsion um, alongside overcoming my eating disorder by stopping exercise. So I'm a big proponent for saying to somebody that is in weight restoration phase and actively trying to recover from an eating disorder, just knock the exercise on the head completely for the moment. I wanted to ask um, Dr. Moheim about this. So that's what our conversation is going to be on because, you know, I'm not an expert. That's just how I did it. So we'll find out a little bit more about how she advises people who exercise during recovery. Now, those of you who have listened to this podcast, you're going to know Lauren. She was one of the first people that I interviewed. I think she's episode one and two in this podcast series. But for those of you who don't know Lauren yet, I have the pleasure of introducing you to her. Here's a little bit about Lauren. I asked her to tell us who she is and what she does. I'm an eating disorder specialist and psychologist based in Los Angeles, and I have um, my own practice here. And I also do um, advocacy, and I'm on the board of the Academy for Eating Disorders, and I write um, articles uh, both for my own blog and for I'm the eating disorder expert for Very Well. So the first question that I asked Dr. Malheim was, what's the treatment recommendation for exercise, if there is one? Here's her answer. Oh, uh, in terms of treatment, I I think there's not really um, that much that's known about exercise. Um, It's one of the symptoms that's been least addressed in terms of research and treatments. I know there's a treatment uh, under investigation in Australia um, that's a cognitive behavioral treatment called LEAP. Um, but honestly, I don't know what uh, what the treatment itself entails. Um, and I think 
you know, based on um, many factors, um, exercise and treatment needs to be individualized. For some people, it's just medically too dangerous. Um, and I think with uh, patients with anorexia, it's common to limit or really restrict exercise. But more often, uh, clients with bulimia uh, can continue to do some exercise and um, work on limiting it. Yeah. How, um, how much do you think it is exercise is actually recognized as a symptom of anorexia? I think it's not that recognized. I was at a research conference a couple of weeks ago and I think I can't remember exactly what they called it, but I think they called it like the orphan symptom that it's just not really that much is known about it. Um, and some clinicians may not even fully assess it. Yeah. Cause I know that I, you know, when I was sort of in recovery, <laughs> I, I know I was very sneaky in the, I, or my eating disorder is very sneaky in the, I, w I would eat, and I would eat three meals a day, but then I would be exercising through the roof. And right. a part of me knew that that, was, uh, that wasn't right. But because nobody ever said to me, exercise is a symptom of an eating disorder, I, I used that to justify the fact that I could continue to exercise. Right. And many, many uh, people with eating disorders um, are sneaky or don't report exercise. Yeah. And, and I wonder how often they're asked as well. <laughs> I know I, I was never asked. Yeah. And, um, and I, I honestly think, with me, I think exercise was almost a larger problem than food, um, especially in the recovery part. And I got my head around <laughs> eating food, and I have to eat food, but exercise was much more difficult for me. Yeah, it's, um, I think it can be really challenging to... Um, to figure out how to treat it because it's, it's more clear with behaviors like, you know, purging or laxative use that it's a problematic behavior, but exercise for most people, um, you know, including people who don't have eating disorders is a very healthy behavior. It's really difficult because there's nobody and especially no doctor. I mean, some doctors, I know that when I was, I, I know I once I went to see my GP and I had told her that I'd struggled eating and I had got myself eating. And I think I actually volunteered to her on one um, meeting with her. I think I volunteered. I, I'm, I'm exercising quite a bit. Is that okay? And she said, well, exercise is healthy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's common. I think, you know, because it's also, it, it helps anxiety. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of doctors and, you know, treating professionals, um, just don't realize, you know, how it can be so co-opted by the eating disorder yeah. and they don't want it to take it away because they're worried about, uh, you know, increasing anxiety. Yeah. And it's also not a symptom that everybody with anorexia or everybody with an eating disorder has, like you said. I mean, um, right. I, I haven't really heard it among people that have bulimia as, as much of this. I haven't heard of the exercise compulsion quite as much. Um, or it being such a strong component as I have with anorexia. I mean, I could be wrong there. It could be just as strong in some people. Um, I looked up some facts, and one study said that 37 to 54% of patients with anorexia nervosa, depending on subtype, engaged in excessive exercise. Mm -hmm. And the for bulimia, 
nervosa were about 20 to 24 percent. Okay, so what Dr. Mohan said there was that I think she said something between 30 and 57% of people with anorexia are also over-exercising. So I think that's a big, pretty big percentage. That's not necessarily the minority, especially if you take into account that many of us don't even admit to the fact that we are compulsively exercising. Interesting. The next question that I asked Dr. Mohain was um, how she may assess somebody who has come to her with anorexia or another eating disorder in terms of the amount of exercise that they're doing? Um, yeah, there are a couple of ways to assess it. Um, I think excessive exercise has been in studies defined as exercise that interferes with important activities, exercise that exceeds three hours per day and cause distress if the individual were unable to exercise frequent exercise at inappropriate times with little or no attempt to suppress the behavior and exercising despite more serious injury, illness, or medical complications. So um, those would be good factors to consider. Um, I especially look also at how patients handle not being able to exercise and if it the thought of taking a day off really causes a lot of anxiety, then, um, you know, to me, that's a, a, a red flag. Yeah. Um, when you said those, when you, when you went through that list there, I think I ticked off every single one of those in my head. I had, I, I had frequently when I was sick, did all of those. I exercised with injuries. Um, I exercised for more than three hours a day. I exercised every day. Um, and I certainly never took a day off exercise. And I do, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I actually think that the, the, the three hours, I think that's, I think that's excessive pretty much on anyone. I mean, but um, I... Yeah, I usually look at an inability to take a, a single day off. Yeah. To me is um, is significant. Yeah, I, I think that's key. And um, the anxiety that goes around also taking that day off, sort of. Um, and also, you know, something I, I hear a lot, and I did it myself for sure, is using exercise as a justification for eating. So for example, um, somebody might say to me, well, exercise actually helps me manage my eating disorder because um, I, I can eat more when I exercise. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> that's, that's conditions that your eating disorder is, is putting on you. That's not it helping you to manage it. That's, that you don't negotiate with the eating disorder. It's trying to negotiate with you. Right. Yeah, it's a compensation behavior then. And so the... It, you know, and what I find is then developing the ability to tolerate eating in the absence of compensation is really the key. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, when, I, when I realized it and to help myself overcome the exercise bit, I called Turkey the exercise. It just I made myself stop completely. I only came to that conclusion, mind you, after trying for years to slowly cut down on exercise. So I'd tell myself, okay, start by doing 20 minutes less a day. And it just never happened. It never, I was never able to do it like that. However, I was successful when I just made myself stop completely. Yeah, you um, were able to just really be very strict with yourself. And um, I, I credit you you know, for working so hard on your recovery without therapeutic help. I think 
Um, in my experience, it doesn't have to be cold turkey, um, you know, but I think the, the clients I work with have the benefit of, you know, a therapist and support in doing that. Um, and again, it's individualized. Some people might need to stop entirely. Um, you know, with other clients, I think it's helpful to look at, um, you know, what function the, the behavior is serving. So for many people, it's a way of managing, uh, of avoiding distress. Like, like I said before that, um, you know, eating and not um, undoing it in some way, it brings on a lot of anxiety. So there, I do a lot of work on learning to tolerate that distress and learning to tolerate not exercising. Um, and the other function that I see exercise sometimes serving is really the perfectionism that, um, you know, for some people, the exercise becomes really driven as a quest for uh, perfection that they want to you know, always work out more than they did before, um, and they need to um, continue achieving. And um, exercise really becomes uh, co-opted by, uh, you know, this trait of perfectionism. And so, you know, looking at um, it that way, then working on relaxing some of the rules around perfectionism um, and challenging them. And again, it's, it's ultimately about changing behavior. So cutting back on exercise, um, or skipping days, um, varying it, um, you know, strategies like that. And, um, what do you think about if somebody, somebody's underweight? Um, I mean, somebody's under, yeah, it's a different story. Um, usually I try to restrict exercise, or, or suggest strongly restricting exercise for people who are underweight. And there's research that it's very dangerous for people who are underweight that, um, they, uh, you know, first of all, their bones can become weaker and they're at higher risk for fractures. Um, and they're not actually increasing muscle, um, and, and strengthening bone the way they are if they were of a normal weight. And of course, you know, they can, have electrolyte problems, heart problems. So underweight, um, I think is, is its own category. Yeah. And the catch 22 there is that when we're underweight, usually the eating disorder is even stronger. So it's even stronger to actually stop exercising. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. I definitely noticed that, you know, now, now when I look back, I think to myself, I was supposed to be trying to put on weight. What on earth was I, ra you know, what rationale was I using to go for a run every day when I was supposedly actively trying to gain weight, but I couldn't get myself into that mindset when I was sick. Yeah, of course, that's, it, it definitely makes weight gain harder when you're burning a lot of calories exercising. But the, the exercise in, um, in anorexia really seems to be very driven, like you describe, it's almost not a conscious, under conscious control. And, um, they have been able to replicate that behavior by restricting intake in rats. Um, they, it's called activity-based anorexia, and it's a model for anorexia. And researchers actually restrict the rat's food intake while giving them unlimited access to a wheel, and the rats start running excessively. And they'll continue to run rather than eat during the short period of time the food is presented to them. And if allowed, they'll literally run themselves to death. So it's a really paradoxical behavior why um, in, the state, in the face of less food, someone would exercise more. 
Okay, so I'm really glad that Dr. Marheim mentioned that study with the rats because it's one I'd forgotten about, but actually it is one that I read about when I was in recovery from my eating disorder. And it really hit a chord with me because in those rats who were being starved and then jumping on running wheels and just running themselves into the ground, I just recognized myself in those bloody rats. That was me to a T. I never ran a lot before I got sick. I never ran a lot before I had anorexia. It really was just a symptom of my weight loss. It was a symptom of my body going into that starvation phase and the eating disorder activating and then this erratic, crazy, just compulsion to run. So I'm really glad you brought that up and I am going to link to it in the show notes. Okay, back to our conversation. Well, it makes no sense because usually if someone is starving and restricting, they, you know, should have no energy and uh, be resting. Yeah, but in fact, what it brings, what it sort of creates in many of us is this sort of anxious energy and a complete compulsion to run. I, and not just even running, I had a compulsion to move at all times. I barely sat down. I couldn't sit down for more than two minutes without getting up and moving around. It was like a compulsion to move if I wasn't exercising. It's just horrible. Yeah. I mean, torturous. Yeah, and that's what they notice in children, too. So in children, you don't see them running on a treadmill, um, but children with anorexia will look kind of like children who have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. They're like fidgeting, they're standing all the time, they're, they, they can't, they don't really have a logical explanation for why they're doing it. It's not like a, you know, a young adult would say, like, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight, but they're, they literally just can't stop moving as you described. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's almost more difficult when somebody is not a child, because then we can use all of these sort of excuses that sort, many of them generated from society excuses like exercise is good for you. And uh, I'm just trying to keep fit and things like that. And children are so much less affected by those that it's really great well you can really see the symptoms quite plainly quite clearly I guess yeah but most people don't even recognize it's a symptom of an eating disorder so they you know may think their their child's just you know having weird behaviors or being restless yeah but it's not what we typically expect to see yeah yeah um and so weight, weight restoration stage then, you know, um, trying to put on weights and no exercise. I know that a lot of people also then struggle with, once their weight restored, not getting back, in, how to reintroduce exercise into their lives without going backwards. Mm-hmm. Tabitha, you've written some, some good things about how you changed to a different exercise, right? How you mm-hmm. didn't go back running and how you um, introduced yoga instead. And I think that is certainly one good strategy, right, is to not go back to the the driven exercise that when one was doing in the disorder. Um, And, you know, I think other strategies are, are, you know, to vary it, to try to do things that are more fun. you know, um, I try to encourage clients to do yoga or other classes that are, are more limited, um, uh, things that are like outdoors, like hiking, um, you know, just things that have other benefits other than burning calories. And that's usually, you know, requires a lot of work for clients because they, um, you know, feel this need that, you know, it doesn't count if they're not burning 
so many calories or, you know, getting up to a certain level of sweat. Um, so it's both, you know, some, um, looking at the thoughts that are driving the exercise and then also really challenging the behaviors. Yeah. Um, but I do have to admit that even with yoga, uh, that did, I did recognize some sort of compulsive and routine behavior, even to me going to a yoga class every day. Um, and so then I had to like, okay, I can't even do yoga properly. I can't even do yoga without my eating disorder sneaking in and trying to turn it into one of those things. And so I had to take a break or, um, try different style of class, you know, power yoga can be particularly athletic and it can be competitive, um, in a group. So I had to stop doing that. Um, and even now I am very, you know, I started to introduce running again a couple of years ago, um, and, you know, even in full recovery, I found that that competitive with myself nature of I should do an extra 10 minutes more this day, you know, and go a bit further. That So I had to be very strict with myself and put limits, like very strict limits. I can run for 20 minutes once a week. And that is yep. all. Um, and I still stick to that because, well, hey, why not? Um, <laughs> and, um, you, you know, but I, I have to put those limits on otherwise I will find that I start at 20 minutes and then it's 30 minutes and then it's 40 minutes and then it's every day and then it's an hour every day and then I'm yeah down the rabbit hole again yep yep and and that's you know really common because that's that perfectionism um wanting to you know do a little bit more than you did the last time yeah um so it's, it you know it's really one that's that's not necessarily an easy answer I, I don't think um, but I, I do think it's something that needs to be just, just recognized a little bit more as this is needing to sort of behavior uh, for many of us. Um, and I often have to sort of say to people, especially the ones that are runners and they're like, but I love running so much and it's not fair because all my friends run and you know, why can't I, why can't I run? And it's just like, yeah, well, it's not fair that you have an eating disorder. It's just not, but that's like part of your personal recovery plan is that you're not going to be able to run for hours every day or even right. at all for a while. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like, I think like you did really setting some limits, you know, is one strategy. Yeah. Um, and setting limits wouldn't have worked for me in the weight restoration phase. I mean, I tried that then it just didn't work. I just didn't have that, um, capacity to actually stick to the limits I set. I only could do it when I went the whole hog and was just like, no exercise whatsoever. Whereas the other end, in full recovery, I can very easily stick to any limits I set. Um, and the other thing that always that really interests me is the cardio aspect. It always seems to be um, in an active eating disorder. It's the cardio that's the problem. Yeah, that's I would, would say I see that as well. And I think it's partly that driven nature, right? You don't... Um, you don't get that driven um, activity, you know, doing relaxing yoga. No. And the rats in the cage weren't sort of, their, their exercise of choice wasn't trying to do pull-ups or um, push-ups. No. <laughs> it was running in the wheel. Well, um, Lauren, if people want to learn, out more, learn more about you, where, where can they find you? Um, I have a website called Eating Disorder Therapy L.A., so they can find out about me on my website. And I'm also the eating disorder expert for Very Well. Um, 
and there's a, an article actually that I wrote about excessive exercise on that website. So maybe you'll want to link to that. Big thank you to Dr. Molheim. She is a very respected and recognized professional in this field. I always value her opinion. You know, I'm, as I always say, I say it a lot, I'm not a professional, I'm a recovered sufferer. And so anything that I say is based on my own experience and then my experience in working with other sufferers, um, writing and hearing your own stories. And something that I hear a lot from adults who are in recovery from an eating disorder is that they struggle with the exercise part of it. It's, it's not defined. It's not as defined as you have to eat three meals and three snacks a day and you have to eat a minimum of X calories a day. That's the eating part of recovering from an eating disorder. And it can be defined dependent on where you are in regards to needing to put on weight, keep weight, get used to eating regularly. There's rules to that. We know what works. The problem with the exercise side of things is that, well, A, it's not a particularly recognized symptom. B, it is also a symptom that in the wider population is considered healthy. And C, there aren't any of these set guidelines. It's a bit black and white. I'm sorry, it's not black and white. There's too many gray areas there. I might say to someone, you should cut down on the exercise if you're trying to put on weight. And they'll go, mm, yeah, okay, I'll think about that. And then three weeks later, they, they, they haven't. And it's because it's very difficult to to give those sorts of guidelines. And that is why I just say to people, you know what? Just stop exercising. If you are trying to get weight restored, you have an eating disorder, stop exercising. The worst that can happen is that you'll get better sooner. Especially if you're in the weight restoration phase, actually exercising, especially doing cardio, is going to put a lot of strain in your underweight body. And so... There's not really any damage that can be done from stopping exercising, but I do think that there is damage that can be done if you continue to exercise, especially if that exercise is some form of cardio, such as running, which it seems to be, for a lot of us, the exercise of choice. And so I do think that if you are underweight, then if you need a rule of thumb, if you need a black and white answer, then you should stop exercising. And you should probably stop ex exercising until you are really very sure that you have got weight restored you've been weight restored for a long time your body's functioning again so if you're a female then your periods have come back and your hormone cycles back and you know that those things are working again your hunger has come back all of those things should have been back for a while before you even contemplate starting the exercise again and then if you're anything like me once you do start that exercise again put very serious and strict limits on how much you can do otherwise you will fall into that cycle at least I did of always trying to be yesterday's goal, not really being okay with taking a day off. So for example, with me now, I allow myself to exercise in the gym three times a week, weights only, I don't do any cardio. Um, and I'm really strict on it. It's a uh, 45 minute maximum three times a week gym time, no more. Otherwise it creeps up. No cardio, otherwise that creeps up as well. So, and I'm fit and healthy and I'm probably the strongest and best I've ever been. So I really um, encourage you to think strongly about this, even if you're a little bit in doubt, if you're exercising and you think, I just don't know whether this is healthy or not. I don't, I'm not sure whether I'm exercising because I want to and because I enjoy exercise or whether I'm exercising because my eating disorder is making me exercise. I really advise you to see if you can stop. 
And you know what the acid test to work that out, to work out whether it's you or your eating disorder that's um, prompting the exercise or the desire to exercise, is just say, all right, well, if I have a healthy um, relationship with exercise, I should be able to take a week off. I mean, that's normal. Even top athletes take a week off. Anybody should be able to say, I'm going to take a week off exercise. If you freak out internally at the thought of that and get all anxious and stressed and then just basically can't even bring to think about, contemplate not exercising, I think that's a really strong indication that you do not have a healthy relationship with exercise. It's a really strong indication that you should stop exercising until you can trust yourself that your eating disorder is in the backseat enough for you to be in control of it. So I know I've gone on a lot, but a little bit about this. I don't usually talk quite as long at the end of my podcasts, but this one's really important to me. And it's really important to me because it's this exercise part that kept me sick for such a long time because I, I got in my head, you have an eating disorder. It's called an eating disorder. You have a problem with eating. I kind of got that bit. And once I recognized that I was able to start eating seems like common sense but eating disorders aren't rational I you know but nobody said you know I didn't know necessarily and though I probably felt it deep down that exercise was a part of that and my eating disorder was putting conditions on saying well you can only eat if you've exercised that day xyz that's not on you don't negotiate with eating disorders you don't negotiate you call the shots so if you say to your eating disorder I'm not going to exercise this week buddy then you don't exercise. It's just simple as that. You have to start calling the shots. And so I found that when I said to my eating disorder, well, sod you, I'm not going to exercise. Cold turkey, not happening. I was actually able to stick to that once I recognized it, that this is an eating disorder symptom. This is something I've got to get rid of. So yeah, Um, if you are interested, I have a Slack group, which is for adults in recovery from eating disorders so um over 25s only i'm afraid um just a space and it's it's kind of a space where we actively talk about this kind of thing and how to come overcome it so although we're all in there with shared experiences it's not a space where we just sort of stroke each other and say oh it's okay you're gonna do all right it's a space where we say this is what you need you know this is what i'm doing today to help me overcome my eating disorder guys come on and help me stick to this help me do this it's really a very active recovery space um you are welcome to join it you just need to contact me via my website because it is a private space i am also in the middle of setting up um, a forum which is specifically for parents of adults with eating disorders and spouses or partners of adults with eating disorders. So if you're married to somebody that has an eating disorder and you're trying to help them through recovery and you feel that you need a private space to for peer support so that you can reach out to people and say, hey, this is happening, what the hell do I do? How do I help her? Then that's gonna be a space for you. And you can also get an invitation to that if you email me. So my email for either of those Slack forum groups is um, info, I-N-F-O, at tabithaferrar.com thanks for listening don't hesitate to reach out to me if you have any questions about what um, dr molheim and i discussed today cheers and until next time cheerio